good people i'm bhavna again and this is my second podcast um and uh, this one is going to be a little bit about what i've discovered today um so there's a very interesting concept that's been doing the rounds and uh, it's called cultural appropriation and i'll get to it in a bit um i started to think about talking about this today because uh, I came across a very interesting story. I was uh, as it so happens uh, link hopping and comment surfing on YouTube and I came across this song which is very popular called The Lion Sleeps Tonight. You know the one. I don't want to, you know, call the copyright police to my podcast. So, um here's the interesting thing about the lion sleeps tonight apart from the fact that it has a very interesting french version which actually says the lion dies tonight gritty gritty very gritty so the lion sleeps tonight was popularized by peter seeger and uh, though the first cover was done by uh, a group called the tokens and uh, peter seeger was the one who originally discovered the song which was the most popular version which uh, was featured in the disney film and broadway musical the lion king and this song has uh, you know it's been very popular i happened to only come across it when i got to college but that's because i was a disney illiterate kid i grew up without disney and you don't have to be too sad for me i was a happy child and i had a happy childhood so the lion sleeps tonight uh, has a somewhat tragic past uh, the song was uh, found was actually the okay the core of the music the <laughs> part you know the music part oh gosh it's almost impossible to talk about music without actually telling you what the music was so um i'm still going to try the core of the music the uh, mbe part the imbube part um apparently uh, which which turned into the wimbwe lyric was written by Solomon Linda and Solomon Linda was uh, was born in the Zulu heartland of South Africa uh, in 1909 it seems and uh, he wasn't uh, literate but uh, he used to write songs and uh, when he was about 20 years old he moved to Johannesburg and there he had an a cappella band yep the group of people who make amazing music using just their voices anyway um and uh, so this particular uh, bit was uh, was a basis for a lot of his a lot of linda's song the uh, a, a style of uh, of of using a a chant a four part harmony chant where you know people are singing on four different chords and um yeah so uh, his song his most famous work was embube and embube means lion so um it so happened that uh, peter seeger came across this um this the story of uh, the embube is of course that uh, when linda used to work as a shepherd as a cattle herd in the african hinterlands he used to have to you know um protect his cattle from the lions and uh, well i doubt they did too much of protecting they were most afraid of lions right so um apparently the mbube zimbe means lion stop and uh, this particular phrase was a center of a 
song which pretty much like which was a 2 minute 44 second song which uh yeah that was a little bit off that song i apologize to the copyright police um and it consisted of them repeating the embube word much as how we hear the wimowe part in the lion king song i'm so sorry for how long winded this is anyway so when these guys became really really famous the writing credit went to paul campbell which was a pseudonym for this group um and uh, they didn't really mention that uh, the writer of the song was uh, or the composer the guy who put together this composition was uh, solomon linda and uh, yeah uh, i mean you know when seagull created this version the the whim away version of the song they didn't give uh, solomon linda credits um and uh, yeah apparently so there's a version of the story which says that peter seeger said that he didn't have much of a head for business and he was a bit stupid when he was young and um apparently some anecdotal evidence says that he had asked his publisher to ensure that he gave uh, uh linda solomon some amount of you know certain amount of money and uh, ensure that he wouldn't have to you know fight for his survival um but uh, it seems that that didn't really happen and peter seeger never really followed through out of either naivete or you know not really caring enough um he still regrets it and uh, you know so it so happened that uh, th- this is quite interesting it seems linda solomon handed over the copyrights to this composition and this song to the a uh, company that had originally produced his original um, his group's original composition uh, gallo studios for um, what amounts to 10 shillings uh, about 87 cents in american terms today about uh, 48 50 rupees that's about it and uh, so yeah so he sold over his copyright for that much money to his uh, to the studios and um it seems that uh, over the next um, several decades uh, his wife and daughter have also handed over the copyrights in on different different years to different persons which means there's kind of like a crazy copyright mess that was created which we'll come to towards the latter half of this story i don't know why i mentioned it now anyway so um So yeah, so so uh, Linda Solomon gets a job sweeping sweeping um, floors and and you know making tea at delivering tea at the offices of this uh, of this uh, studio company, and that's how he supports his family, and um, uh, two of his children in fact die of malnutrition, um, and uh, it's not exactly a life of luxury. while obviously the wimowe song which was credited only to the group and not to linda leaving his identity in obscurity um well relative obscurity because uh, peter seeger did continue to credit him publicly for the you know being the real inspiration behind the song and uh, he also incidentally had sent a check to of of $1000 initially to solomon linda um when he had you know used the 
used the music of M. Bube for the first time for uh, Wim Away. Um, so all of these things happened and uh, the years went by and the Solomon family would hear different interpretations of different versions of uh, their of their father's song, my husband's song uh, on the radio when they didn't really know uh, that they were supposed to get anything for it. And this state of affairs would have probably continued uh, and, uh, had it not been for uh, Rian Malan, a South African author and songwriter who wrote about this in the year 2000 in a, the Rolling Stone magazine. Um, in an interview with the New York Times, Mr. Milan said he was stunned by the degree to which everyone was relying on the Lindas, never asking the question of why they were paid so little. This article embarrassed uh, several major players in the American music industry, and uh, it also uh, brought forth several lawyers who came around to the Linda Solomon Linda family to uh, help them fight for their rightful royalties uh, for their father's composition. When the wife and uh, daughter of uh, Solomon Linda's uh, suit became public news, it caused a lot of embarrassment, especially to Disney, uh, because it uh, appeared that Disney had uh, bought over the rights from Abilene Music, uh, the rights to the line Sleeps Tonight from the Abilene Music, without investigating the true origins uh, of the uh, songwriters, and uh, in good faith. And the public narrative did not make Disney look very good, given that the Linda Solomon uh, family had uh, had were living pretty difficult lives um, and had to work as servants and maids and factory workers. And um, despite the fact that their father had written an incredible composition and uh, had made other people very, very rich. So Disney ended up uh, entering into a settlement with the... Um, Solomon's successors and uh, though they didn't disclose the amount of money that they settled on they said that their family would uh, live pretty comfortably here on all's well that ends well I suppose excepting that uh, this story raises some very interesting other aspects take for example the origin of this music um Solomon's, Linda's music did not appear out for vacuum, right? Um, his, uh, it so happened that uh, he was a part of a certain movement of, uh, uh, well, of, of ragtime. Uh, it was a new kind of American syncopated music, which was introduced by Scott Joplin. Um, and that had swept across South Africa. And um, it is in this context that Solomon... Uh, started to incorporate these elements into Zulu songs that already that his friends and he used to already sing at uh, festivals and functions and weddings. Um, and um, so when Solomon moved to Johannesburg, he was spotted by uh, a, a scout, a talent scout, uh, him and his, his a cappella group called The Evening Birds. And they recorded several songs in Gallo Studios. Um, and and uh, elements of uh, this, this song, the Embube song, are and, and the inspiration for these songs come from Zulu music. So 
while i was surfing the internet and i was reading about this i came across the comment section and one of the comments was about uh, precisely about this about the fact that uh, um after all these songs are are from a larger subculture so shouldn't the zulu people get uh, well compensations uh, well uh, royalties for this music frankly i don't know cultural appropriation is kind of crazy and it's something i'm still trying to wrap my head around and i'm not going to address it today because i've just been talking for so long and i'm absolutely exhausted but i do want to point out something very interesting that caught my eye um this whole conversation is about how unfamiliar those of us from the developing world have been with the tools of Uh, the developed world in the idea of intellectual property and copyrights and and the fact that these copyrights uh, you know lapse and they are renewed and that you get royalties from the works that you do that you produce especially when you are used to a more uh, community based uh, logic of life it's uh, it's it's quite uh, it's it's not intuitive that you would expect that that uh, royalties would be accrued to you because some other people have used work or have worked upon something that you have produced which uh, you know some in some to some degree converts it but they have used the work that you have created to sufficient degree to entitle you to some amount of uh, credit and compensation for any revenues that they gather um so i mean especially in the world where i've been worrying about the copyright police and uh, um throughout this podcast cracking down on me for using parts of uh, the disney copyrighted song um it makes me wonder at uh, the different ways in which uh, race and uh, our histories and historical oppression and and different ways of thinking about uh, the logic of our world shapes our ability to deal with the modern world because the modern world is set up like especially a globalized uh, neoliberal capitalist economy is set up in the logic of the western world's trade oriented uh, transaction oriented uh, lo- you know ethos let's say and uh, that ethos in cultures which which are unfamiliar with it is uh, is often uh, you know shocking it is uh, well at some level i guess uh, the linda solomon family is pleasantly shocked <laughs> that they have now received a lump sum of money which will enable them to live uh, the rest of their lives and the rest of their generations uh, in a in 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 better ways but that they didn't know about this for so many years and that they were as you know not only were they um not only was solomon um an african in south africa dealing with american producers and musicians and music writers and you know the works he was also illiterate as was his wife who incidentally did sign away rights to uh, the copyrights to the song a second time about uh, 25 years after uh, solomon solomon passed away uh, due to some um, well apparently due to some fraudulence by the lawyer who insisted who invoked an obscure law uh, 
in that was applicable in South Africa, which said that copyrights lapsed every 25 years and you have to renew them or something of that nature. And um, uh, then, uh, you know, several years after that, his daughter renewed, gave, gave the copyrights to someone else. So by the time that Disney got around to trying to pay them royalties uh, in the year 2004, there was a pretty crazy uh, copyright entanglement that existed. So, well, you know, there's that. But going back to talking about cultural appropriation, it makes you wonder um, to what degree we make any original music. Everything that we sing has roots in something that already exists. It's very rare that a person just creates a new kind of music. We do reward novelty, right? And um, that's, uh, that's a pretty subjective, tricky slope. And um, also, especially when you, when you talk about folk songs and folk music, it gets all the more complicated. Uh, who do you really reward? Who do you pick out? Uh, as he, is it going to be a particular singer that you interacted with if they made you, you know, familiarized you with a certain genre of music? Um, I mean, or is it the entire group of uh, people to whom this folk of this folk music, uh, sorry, um, from whom this folk music emanates, uh, whose subculture it is. Um, so an interesting conversation that I had had with some of my friends earlier about this uh, brought me to a point where it was suggested that uh, what was what what should be done um, in cases of folk music, which is something that is you know that that happens often enough in India. Um, is that uh, the singers explicitly talk about or give credits to the genre of uh, the folk subculture, the folk genre that they're, um, you know, taking elements from. And I guess uh, places like, uh, you know, platforms like Coke Studio, for instance, is very interesting because uh, they do give a space to, uh, to folk artists to present their music in collaboration with more popular artists, more mainstream uh, artists, uh, more urban artists, in order to, um, you know, make a new kind of music. And um, that's one of the most amazing things that happens. That's the most, that's like some of, some of my favorite music has been um, thanks to this terrible capitalist conglomerate Coca-Cola. Anyway, on that weirdly depressing and strange note, I bid you adieu. And I hope that you found this whole story as interesting as I did. Toodles and see ya.